0: We're going. That's how going. That's. How awesome. <laughs> I mean I can edit it. Like if that's No. If, if you have a better James Brown like yeah, you know, like we'll put it in.
1: Well I could do the um I could do the Eddie Murphy impression from the stand up album.
0: Well now you have to. Oh uh, the people say hi like this feminine. <laughs> Wait, so I didn't plan on starting with Eddie Murphy, but do you remember the first time you heard Eddie Murphy do stand up and was it life changing?
1: Yes, as a matter of fact. Uh so for me. I think I may have seen Eddie when I was really small cuz my dad didn't really care. He would yeah. let me watch R-rated comedy and stuff like that. But like the first vivid memory I have of Eddie Murphy is the uh the C- the comedian album, the the CD. Mm-hmm. Right? It was the one after Delirious. Delirious was the red leather comedian that album. I think the cover was him wearing bluish purplish of some type if I remember. It was and I'm sure I'm not the only person that says this. It was the barbecue bit.
0: Yeah, uh, dude. There's a the crazy thing about him is that there's like maybe 25 bits of his just out there. 20 of them are the ones people are like, this is the number one. Like, mm-hmm. if there's an argument over all of his bits over which one's the greatest one. But the one you're talking about with his um, drunk dad
1: on the CD, yeah, it's like a, I want to say it's a 13 minute track on the on the album. Yeah. And he talks about, yeah, his dad would get drunk. He's like, his you uncle. Know, my my dad, my pops would get fucked up every year at the barbecue. And then he would do this, his dad's voice. Then he would talk about his aunt, Ginny, mm-hmm. who would say, <laughs> and like, he had no idea what it meant. Yeah. And then, like, you ever have a fat aunt be falling down the stairs? <laughs> I was going to say that the, the, the stair uh, bit
0: that goes on for like God. three minutes.
1: My shoe. Like, <laughs> dude, I remember the first time I heard it, I was in high school. And my buddy Brad and I were on the floor, like, banging the floor laughing. Yeah. I don't recall the last time I... F- I mean, it's happened. God, I hope so, because you want to laugh in life. But, like, that's one of the times I remember in life, like, just banging the floor laughing so hard. Yeah. At how great it was.
0: Oh, dude. I uh, I was with my brother, I want to say. I was, like, 17. He was, like, 16. And so this is 10, 15 years past eddie's like stand-up prime so he's like not even doing stand-up anymore he's dr Doolittle already oh okay and we were both like i didn't know eddie murphy did stand-up oh no no it was the exact opposite where it was like we were like this isn't gonna be good you know like and then of course like 14 seconds in 15 seconds in, we're like oh he's a god yeah and so we like discovered it as if we had no idea that he could do this thing and we didn't know that he was the greatest of all time. Dude. And life hasn't been the same since. We literally immediately started checking, because there was the TV Guide channel at the time, mm-hmm. and we would watch to find out when it would air again so we could tape it, so then we could just watch it repeatedly.
1: Well, bro, it's not even just stand-up. You look at Eddie's body of work in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Like, I think our generation needs to go back and watch Nutty Professor. Because as a kid, when it came out, it's funny, you laugh, you don't realize... All of the greatness that Eddie went to to do all those characters, especially at the dinner table.
0: No, I was going to mention that. The family, he should get an Oscar. There's a couple times where I'm like, we should go back and award Oscars because we don't for comedies. Like, we've done it only a couple times, but if we go back and do some comedic acting awards, he's the guy. You go to him first, and then you work your way down.
1: Comedy never gets enough respect regarding awards. It's always got to be... Some transcendent piece that was made in France that needs subtitles. Yeah, uh, you know it's always got to be like my left foot that gets all the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like great comedy, uh, yeah, people enjoy it, but great comedy never really like, great great com- comedic performances. I should say, never get recognized as much as they should. Like you look at what Eddie did in The Nanny Professor, it wasn't someone trying really hard to do a lot of characters. It was someone more than succeeding, doing amazing characters to like, the point that know, we don't
0: look at it. We overlooked it completely because it was so natural. Mm -hmm. But if we go back and watch Richard Pryor try to do that, I'm trying to think if it was called Which Way is Up. There's a movie where he plays, like, five characters in it.
1: Yeah. It's not Eddie. And even Martin Lawrence. Martin does it well yeah. I, I thought i loved martin the sitcom if it pops on i'm still watching martin it was so great he did a bunch of characters then of course uh you know big mama's house stuff like yeah, that of course, even in blue streak which i think is a very underrated comedy i recall him playing one or two other characters but there's still a difference and i think these people would say the same thing like you know yeah. i think i'm sure martin would be like oh yeah It's not Eddie.
0: Martin's the guy I've seen kill the hardest. Really? If I was to list all, you know, like, and being a comedy store, like, not that I'm a comedy store regular, but someone who's regularly hangs out there to watch the comedy. Mm. I remember watching Chappelle come in when it was still like a unicorn coming in. And I've watched Chappelle go in now that it's regular to see him come in. So, like, the greats, you know, Bill Burr working out the bit. I saw Jim Jeffries work out his gun bit. Mm. no one has killed harder than when I first saw Martin walk into the comedy store
1: and how long I've never seen as many times as I've been at the store I've never seen Martin
0: this was about six or seven years ago wow. he was showing up every like if it was a I forget what day of the week it was but it was like if it was Tuesday he showed up for like six Tuesdays in a row before he did a tour mm. and he did I think it was like 25-minute spots in the OR, and then he did one spot in the main room that was an hour to like really run it through. Damn. And before that, he hadn't been on stage for like four years. And so you're like, wait, what? Incredible. And it was there for the very first one. I got a text message from the guy working the door because he, he, know, he knows I'm a huge nerd about it. I'm not a Martin guy, but he was like, Martin's coming by, and I was like, never seen him. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, Oh, my God. He turned everyone inside out immediately, especially like when things went off the rails. He was able to do what he needed to do and bring it back. And I was like, oh,
1: that's impressive. God,
0: dude, it was incredible. And it was like, this is the guy who mentored Chappelle and Chappelle's like my number one. Sure. And then you're just like, oh, this Hmm. guy's better than my number one. It doesn't change what number one is, but it was also like I see it now.
1: Well, there's a there's a different style. Like I remember Martin's uh stand-up specials. I remember um Run Tell Dad and like that's the big up. one. And like they were never really for me per se, but like you could you could still watch a special and appreciate the greatness of who the person is and realize that they were they're great at more than one thing, which yeah. is what Martin is. Whereas like Chappelle Chappelle is great to me and not in an obnoxious way. Chappelle knows that he can just show up sit on the stool, light a cigarette, and have a conversation. Yeah. And make himself laugh, record it, get... Maybe he gets two and a half minutes of greatness out of a half hour. For sure. But who cares, man? People are going to sit there and watch Chappelle because he's one of the handful of comics who are so unapologetic in an era where, as a comic, you don't know which way is up anymore. You don't know what's going to get you canceled. You don't know what you're allowed to say. But when you're at that level of fame... Like Chappelle is, he does not care, and we need people like him and Burr mm-hmm. and save Martin, even though he's not as active. Like we need people like that to not be afraid, because I, I truly, I don't know Chappelle personally. I don't think he cares if his career ended tomorrow. I think he'd be fine.
0: Yeah, no, I think he would be fine. Yeah, and uh, wasn't say about all the unapologetic stuff. It was just, he's just Chappelle doesn't care. But we watch him not care. You know, like you're saying, like there's maybe like a half hour of the two and a half hour that's great. But to me, watching Chappelle is unlike anybody in the world because it's like watching Miles Davis. You're right. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, a good chunk. If you go back and like listen to Bitches Brew, the album, you're hearing the best of forty minutes. And then they release the box set with like here's the six hour session, and you're like, for most of it, he's searching for it. But the searching for it becomes incredibly interesting. It's fun. Yeah, and you're just like, oh yeah, we don't get that. Because even, like, when I was watching Martin, he had a direction with his bits already. Unlike the way Chappelle really is going up there with nothing. That's
1: the main... And you could see him recording, too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like I've seen him a handful of times. And it's uh, it's really fun. Like, for me, and uh, Chappelle is your number one, I don't know if I have... I guess I would say Burr is probably my number one of comics that I've seen, Um Although I I think I recognize Carlin as possibly the greatest of all time. It's just, you know, comedy subjective. So it's like, it depends on what your style is. But for me, I remember the most I've been excited. Didn't get a chance to meet him, but I'm an in living color nerd, as you know. Like, Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for in living color, I never would have tried stand up. I never would have chased the dream. Probably never would have had a chance to work in wrestling. Like, it all started with in living color because I was just a fat kid in Pennsylvania. My parents were nurses. No one works in entertainment. In Living Color, I'm older than you, so In Living Color hit me at the right time, where it completely warped my mind. Right. Yeah. So my goal was, I'm like, I gotta meet everyone somehow at some point if I ha- if I can from In Living Color, and hmm. I had a chance to be on shows with Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've opened weekends with David Allen Greer, who is my favorite from the show. Yeah. If I had to pick one favorite entertainer in my lifetime, sure, it would be DAG. Yeah. I I think he was the glue that held the show together. Yeah. Love him, most, only met him once. Oh, just the greatest. One of the most underrated actors, performers in the business. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he's still working at 60, you know? Okay. Um, But Keenan, for some reason, I'm yes. not sure why, had had kind of started coming back to stand-up, I want to say, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it was for. And he I can I answer in. some of these questions. Okay, well, please, when I'm... Yeah, please tell me. So, like, he had dropped into a belly room show. And I don't know if nice. it was Crack'em Up Thursday. I forget what it was. But I remember standing in the back of the room and just watching him while he was on stage. And he was just winging it. He was having a mm-hmm. good time. Nothing crazy. Because I've watched Keenan's old stand-up from the late 80s. And it was, it, it didn't blow my mind, but stand-up wasn't his strength. Mm-hmm. Sketch comedy, attention to detail, and that kind of brilliance that changes your way of thinking, that's Keenan's strength. Because yeah. I've heard, Damon would say how strict he was on Living Color. Like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be this. Yeah, and so that's a guy I still am, am desperate to meet at some point because Keenan obviously was. You never got him. Okay, you never no, got.
0: Oh no, he's he's one of the greats. I okay, want,
1: I want to I want to meet him, and I just want to thank him. I got to meet Kelly Caulfield at a voiceover audition.
0: That's cool. Do you remember her? Yeah, I watched a lot of *Living in Color*. My okay. dad actually loves *Tag*. And so, like, it was just, like, this thing. And, like, and then, of course, Tommy Davidson had a big special at that time. Met him briefly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've actually never met him in person, but I think I've – I feel like I've met almost all the rest. So, like, when I was working the door at Flappers, one day, Damon Wayans walks in. Right? And you, like, stare at him for, like, three seconds, and you're like, this is major paint. Just walked in, like, and he's, like, looking at me. a blank man, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's, the you know, the same thing, and you're just like – You know, and he's talking to you, and all you hear is, like, all the catchphrases. You're like, hated it, and all those things. And then he gets to go up, and Barbara from Flappers, I shouldn't have said her name, but whatever, I'm not going to edit this out. She asked for his phone number to, like, try to book him more, and he uh, tells her no, and then he, on his way out, asked for my phone number. And I was like, what? And he goes, I don't want to talk to the office, because I don't want them to promote these things, but you worked the door. I'm going to give you my number, and you're going to give me mine, I'll tell you when I want to come up, and you tell me when there's space, and we'll come on down. And so all of a sudden, I was the gatekeeper for the weigh-ins. Okay. I know, and oh, and Flappers was mad, because Flappers was like, give us the number, don't be the gatekeeper. And I was like, I get it, but that's what he wants.
1: Right, your dedication should be to Damon, personally. Unless you're afraid of losing your job, but whatever.
0: I mean, I lost the job for other reasons.
1: Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know what, uh... You're okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a, what the hell's the actor's name who's blown up now, who, uh, he said on Sam Roberts podcast, he was working the door at flappers as little as six years oh, Paul. ago. Paul. Yeah. Brilliant actor. And I was like, yeah, Holy shit. I didn't know he worked at flappers.
0: I know. Oh dude. Love Paul. I, uh, I was a little bit of a gatekeeper for him too. Cause he was, I mean, not in the sense that like what Damon was like, I want to drop in like Paul was like, I was on always sunny. I was like, yeah, right. I watched every episode of Always Sunny. He's like, I was the juggalo, and I was like, You're right. You were that guy. Absolutely. And then That's all a of a sudden, ago. now he's my God. How I know. Days? But he also, they recognized his talent early, and the cast of Always Sunny would come in to watch Paul at Flappers. And I was like, What? He's bringing in my gods? And they would always just like, Dude, you're going to blow up one day. And I was like, All right, whatever. Like they see in don't this think
1: guy. I never did a show with him. That's weird.
0: And then all of a sudden, you know, like, I hear he's an I Tonya, and I was like, Sure and I watch it crushed. and he's incredible. Yep. It was like moving. And then you're like send him a message, you know, you're like, "Hey, um, you moved me." That's crazy. I haven't had that experience with somebody I know. And of course, he's gone on to a million other things. Wait, but to get to the Keenan thing. Damon later calls and goes, "I don't want to get up today. My brother does."
1: And you're like, "Which brother?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And you're like, Okay, I didn't ask which brother. I was like, all right, have him come on down, ask for Aaron. And so Ken and Ivory Wayne shows up, oh Ask for Aaron. God. And I was like, what? This brother?
1: And, and they all look 20 years younger than
0: they am, right? They all I mean, look they incredible. Yeah, they all amazing. look great. Yeah. And so at that time, Damon had just become uh, diagnosed as a diabetic, and it was like crushing him a little bit, and he was sad by it. Oh. And so he was trying to get his mind off of it and going back into stand-up. And he plays with ideas. He goes on stage with ideas, but he doesn't quite get the punches.
1: Yeah, I've seen Damon do – like, I, I did a, a handful of shows – not a handful, a couple shows in met mm-hmm. the Hollywood Improv where it was like Comedy Juice or something else. Yeah. And his confidence was crazy because he he can go up there. He wasn't trying to get laughs. He was. Just, oh,
0: yeah, no. He you know. doesn't care, but he does want to dig into this idea, and he doesn't care what happens to the show afterwards. And then Keenan would watch or get the notes of it, and then would come in with the same ideas, but try to throw punchlines in. And then Damon would come back with those punchlines the next day, as if like, so I would watch them build the act together, is two separate things. Very much. Helping him build a new hour because he wanted to get out on the road and just like experience that life again. Damon's hour, but he had Keenan helping him because Keenan helped him build everything.
1: What a great brother. Yeah. That's
0: incredible. Yeah no so I was like you got to watch them like build it together and um, Damon was like dealing with Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys it felt like mm. it felt like there was a lot of wrangling with him and like because like he would straight disappear sometimes like he would be like hey you're next and he's like all right and then like he would just disappear and then show up in twenty five and he's like can I go on now and you're like okay you're next again. But don't leave, and he goes. I yeah. want to go on now. You're like, well, I'm not gonna light them because you want to go on. It was like that kind of like weird wrangling.
1: I had a few short conversations. He was cool. but yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, he's just very artistic. Yeah. I don't feel like he was mean. He was just artistic. And then Keenan was very regimented. He had notes. He was looking through things. See, there you go. And that would yeah.
1: explain going back on it why Keenan was the boss with the yeah. color and how. Strict, he was, and, and I could back... really see
0: it, and I could see how Damon's these big characters. And then Keenan comes in, and he really is able to put it into structure.
1: That's how I relate to Keenan because I'm like super strict, like that, you know, yeah. obviously on a way different level. But like, you go back and watch in Living Color now, and in a sketch show, not everything's going to hit. Yeah, but man, I, and there's a lot of stuff they could not get away with in 2021, Mm-mm. which sucks. Because the characters were so good, and you so much, so much iconic stuff came from A Living Color*, and I feel like 30 years later, I don't feel like enough people talk about it to this day. I still feel like it should, it should be heralded as one of the, the, the best half hour quote sitcoms or comedy shows of all time.
0: I really, you got to make it in the top two best sketch shows ever. Oh yeah, because that, that's you, the thing. You're like, you can argue over the top two or three maybe, but you're not dropping it below it.
1: No, because you can't count the Richard Pryor show because it didn't run long enough. Unfortunately, Richard was so ahead of his time that it got canceled really quick.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. But I know
1: Keenan was, I know they were inspired by the Richard Pryor show and stuff like that, and then Damon got fired from SNL, and he brought those character ideas. I remember one of his specials from like 87 or 88, to where he was talking about his sister dating a crackhead. Mm-hmm. And he did the Anton Jackson bum voice as that crackhead. Yeah. Eventually became Anton the bum. I was like, oh my God, it's so cool to see. <laughs> so I'm just, uh, oh God, such
0: an When partner. I first got HBO Max, that was the first thing I threw on was Damon's old special.
1: Because mm.
0: you're like, do they have all the specials? And you're looking through and you're like, it looks like they have all the specials. Do they have Damon's special from like the 80s? And sure as shit, it's right there. And I was like,
1: dude, you know it has got a lot of specials? Tubi hmm they have i mean i haven't gone through it all and i'm not just saying this because my special is now on tubi but i was gonna
0: say you know whose special is
1: (laughs) (laughs) dude they have 15 george carlin hbo specials on tubi i mean would that be all of them? i was gonna say that i think it's all of them all of them it not to mention i mean you look it's cool because there's a lot of comics that we work with that we're friends with specials there but i mean you talk about just about every great legendary comic there's a special on Tubi. It is cool.
0: You know, if it's on, I bet it's on there, and people are going to laugh at this. But Gallagher's first special before he did the watermelon stuff, because mm-hmm. the watermelons didn't show up till the second one. Mm-hmm. The first one's straight stand-up, and it's hilarious.
1: Ah, all right.
0: It's only a half hour. It was just the HBO half hour at the time, and he's in a little blackout theater. I should look up. I bet you it's a theater we both performed at.
1: I love half-hour specials.
0: Yeah. Oh no, they're great.
1: They're they're just. I I think it's such a per you know, hour hour long school. cool, mm-hmm. but I I dig like I dig half hour spell. It's enough to like get to know someone, and it, it mm-hmm. makes you want more. Whereas like some people don't carry an hour well, you know.
0: No, you're telling me I watch all of them, and yeah. you're just like, oh yes, yes, yes. It's very interesting to watch who can carry the half hour extraordinarily well, and it drops out, and you, it's a totally different skill. And I remember. Coming up in stand-up It felt like every time There was a new set length Where you go from like 5 to 7 felt like a lot And then 7 to 10 And then 10 to 15 And you were just like I have to learn how to do 15 You know like And it was like all that And of course It's like once you get to The half hour And then of course The 45 and the 60 Yep All different benchmarks Of like difficulty Before we just talk Only about stand-up Because we both are nerds (laughs) About that I want to ask you About WWE If I may What up? Um, I have a fear of working for WWE in any capacity. I don't want to work for it at all. Okay. Because I'm afraid it would affect my love of the the product. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your time at WWE affected your love of the product?
1: You mean of professional wrestling in, as a whole? Because not at all. I still, it's still honestly, I, I don't have a lot of free time. And as much as I would like to say that I watch a lot of things, I end up... Mostly just watching wrestling all the time. Yeah, and because uh, I, I like staying on top of everything. Because you know, at some point, you you develop friends who end up going all over the place. So you want to see what they're up to. You want to see yeah. what kind of creativity is. As a commentator, to be honest, I want to listen to. I want to listen to commentary. I want to hear. I want to hear the bad and the good. And quite frankly, on the indies, it's mostly really bad. So like <laughs> you, you learn by listening. Yeah. You know, I, I learn by. Uh, Listening to that, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not going to do that. You know, that kind of thing, stuff. But no, it, 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 um, it, it did not, nothing changed my love for professional wrestling. When Once you're behind the scenes and stuff like that, you kind of do see how things work. And yeah, there's a couple things, but I mean, there's plenty of people that while you're working there, you can see their frustrations. You
0: know yeah, I mean? no, exactly. And that's part of it, too, is when you watch that and learn these frustrations, all of a sudden, it's like the storylines change almost.
1: To a certain extent, but I mean to me, I got better at everything being there. Like I was doing commentary, interviewing, you name it for years. I probably got eighty percent better in one year. Mm. Because I learned so much from everyone there, and I I take all that now, and then I can with no matter who I'm working for, I can bring that in. Because it all seeped into my brain and it works. And like to me, there's I love professional wrestling to the point where like I look at it like a science and like an like an art form because it is. It is, and the right way to do it. There is a structure. There is a story. There is a competition aspect to it, and all parts involved have to take it seriously. Yeah. Now look, there's a place for comedy, of course. It's it's weird coming from a comic who's like, I don't like comedy in my wrestling, but like, <laughs> there's a place for it, of course. It's it's got to be done by the. The really great ones, whether it be Santino Morella or, you know, even Hurricane Shane Helms. One of the funniest human beings I've ever been around. But all parts involved need to be taking it seriously and on the same page. If one person doesn't take it the right way, it can be it can throw everything off.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's like a good improv troupe. Yeah. The, the improv troupe is only as good as its weakest member. Mm-hmm. And when you're just doing two-man performances of a stunt show but also telling a story throughout it. You're only going to be as good as the weakest person's commitment level. Yep. Although, have you seen wrestling pro wrestling?
1: Of course. I, I I, know Kendrick, and I know my friends, a lot of my friends do that. I have not seen it consistently, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah. But the thing is, they're they're unapologetic, and which you have to be. I think being unapologetic in wrestling and comedy, to a certain extent, you need to be in both if you're an individual, you know? For sure. Uh, but wrestling pro wrestling, they are who they are. They don't try to hide...
0: For those listening that are unaware, yeah. it is probably the most comedic wrestling federation I've ever seen.
1: Gotta be. Close
0: to it. I can't imagine one funnier or more comedic. Like, they really are just shooting it straight down the middle as far as, like, the very first match I saw was a man that was in a big suit. That was, his name was Cereal Man. He was a box of cereal. Sure. And he was fighting a guy in a big suit that was a giant gallon of milk. And he was going to try to make him soggy. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, brilliant. Like what it's so easy, but yep. it's also just like, oh, of course I'm gonna root for the cereal to not get soggy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I can't believe I'm rooting for this. It's
1: classic babyface heel, man. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is like people wonderful. people want stories. You know what I mean? And then and there's a way to do it. Now some matches are gonna have more of a story than others. Some are just, you know, sure. two people who want to compete. But no matter what, that's why like it's fun to go back and and watch the previous generations and like hmm. especially me i love listening to you know old commentary because sometimes you learn some things and other times you realize all right they're not really saying much here but man they're really committing to it or like other sure. commentators like back in the day it was more like hey we're just straight calling stuff like a sport because there's no story here it's just you know two
0: dudes you know what and what sometimes mean? that exceeds sometimes yep. that just wins it over um another wrestling question i feel like kind of just down the middle, I guess, is you are such a big fan of wrestling your whole life. Mm -hmm. And at the time when you were hired, I believe, AEW was around. So, but like, WWE has been, the consistent throughout it. Was there a starstruckness over the brand? Like, when you get to the building and you see the logo and you're like, huh, this is...
1: Oh, yeah. Like, when you first start doing events. Yeah. And, um when you make your first appearance on, like, a camera. Yeah. Uh, When I did my first broadcast, which just happened to be in Philly, which was the arena I had been going to for 20 years to watch the Sixers and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Those moments, I mean, I remember, in hindsight, I wish I was less nervous all day. The broadcast went great. (laughs) But I was, oh, my God, dude. uh, A good buddy of mine who was there can tell you I was a nervous wreck all day because I'm like, in your mind, you're like, uh, my life and career depends on this in actuality. <laughs> it's like, no, you're going to learn. You're going to grow. Mm-hmm. So I'd say being in Philly in that arena, walking down that ramp was one of them. The other one was uh, Staples Center.
0: Sure, like, yeah.
1: I did the event, but looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God. It was holiday tours, December 30th. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, and it was close to a sellout. I want to say it was like 12, 13,000 people. And, you know, I'm... When you're a live event host, you do everything. Like, dude, I'm out there for the first time like 55 minutes before the show starts. Mm -hmm. I do another hit 20 minutes later, another hit before that, do some stuff with the crowd. And that all leads up. Next thing you know, you're so busy. Oh, we're starting in two minutes. Oh, there's the disclaimer. Oh, I got to (laughs) go. Yeah, exactly. And man, like what's cool about that night is... Number one, it couldn't have gone any better. I, I luckily everything was smooth for me. Even though there was a, a hiccup on the show, there was an injury during a match, mm. and the production team hit the wrong music after mm. the match. And in the moment, I was like, um, "I'm just gonna stay silent." And I gave them time. They stopped. They hit the correct music, and then I announced it. And like the, the moment where I felt like I really belonged is the producer in my ear was like, "Great catch, dude. Good job." I'm like, perfect. perfect. Oh, okay. And just looking down at the crowd and, like, you see friends in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking over at one point. I see Mario Lopez just big smile on his face. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then New Day comes in the ring. And Big E makes me dance with him. And Kofi's tossing pancakes. I'm like,
0: this is insane. Yeah. Yeah, your seats are in the middle.
1: Dude, it was bananas. Then my brother was there. And, like, it's funny because I saw him this past weekend. And he goes, yeah, I didn't really put two and two together until i got to the arena and i heard your voice i'm like that sounds like my brother and then i look in the ring and i see you because he got there late yeah. day to work and he got there like during the second match or something And he's like i didn't realize you were doing that i'm like i told you yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so i'm grateful man very grateful for it and uh you know we'll see uh what the future holds
0: yeah of course it can go a million different directions if i learned anything from wrestling it's uh you're never gonna you're never going to not see that face again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in all of life, whatever face you're avoiding is going to surface again. And, or like, I shouldn't even say avoiding. It's just like, whatever goes will also come back. We're all on the same planet.
1: I hope so, man. Like I'm, I'm grateful for every second I had. I, I truly, I have no regrets because I didn't take any of it for granted. Cause I was at mm-hmm. the point in my life where I was, I was smart enough to realize I had not seeped in a lot of things from previous wins and mm-hmm. th- experiences. I I loved every second of it. I I didn't take any of it for granted. So I look back on I'm like, man, that was cool. And especially like when I get to talk to you guys. Yeah. That Staples Center show, our buddy Rich. Yep. GM of the Comedy Magic Club was up in the VIP suite with Gabriel Iglesias. And like they're texting me. Yeah. Gabe was like, is that, that's Johnny. Like I I didn't even know (laughs) Gabe really knew me.
0: I'm like, what the hell?
1: It was so, it was really cool.
0: Dude, that's the best. That's absolutely the best. It is also astonishing on the other side to be like, That person that was in the ring, I just text them and they text me back. Like that's like Clayton, if I had those moments where like showing each other our phones, like, look, we got the text message. They were just out there like two minutes ago. And it's mm. like, yeah, they're just people. It was nuts, man. Like
1: even just, you know it's the best. Play by play is still obviously my my bread and butter as far as what I yeah, what I, you know, want to do most. But ring announcing and live event hosting, man, it's it's so cool. Like I being to being on that SmackDown tour and announcing Roman Reigns to the ring, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like,
0: holy! Was smokes. he the biggest pop?
1: Uh, biggest heel pop on those tours, definitely Corbin. Although, Sami Zayn, oh my God, does he know how to get people to hate him? He is a gene. Yes, he is an old school heel. Brilliant. God, I loved watching him. He would almost get his ass kicked multiple times and get away <laughs> scot free. <laughs> and then he had that smile on his face like he was yeah. so proud. just the best. So I would say um Corbin would get booed the most coming to the ring, but Sammy really got the crowd. Yeah, you know what? David. Now you
0: say that I in TV when I was watching I was like I don't get it and then I saw him in person I was like oh, he's awesome. Brilliant. I now get it. Just brilliant. For sure.
1: pontificator man, just um so yeah, I'm trying to think I'd say yeah, Roman, I mean just the reaction was was massive and I really was like you better say his name well
0: <laughs> and to, to fully take advantage of having you on my microphone mm. can you give a little ring announcing where you throw in my name putting up with Aaron Michael Marsh on the show
1: okay are we gonna end the episode with it yeah. or is this gonna be like a little uh, no that's it
0: no we're ending the episode with. with
1: it so I'm announcing you on your way to the ring
0: I mean, or maybe I just lost, whatever you want to do, as long as you throw in the name of the podcast.
1: Okay, Uh, that's true. Uh, What would be, where are you from?
0: I'm from Tucson, Arizona.
1: From Tucson, Arizona. And I'm going to announce you coming to the ring. And here we go. Of course, sirens are going off as I'm about to say this. Yeah, the fire station's right there on the corner. Pandemonium in the arena making his way to the ring. From the Putting Up With Aaron Michael Marsh podcast from Tucson, Arizona, one of the only people who's actually willing to admit that in public, weighing in at 100 and not much more pounds, Aaron Michael Marsh. Thank you, buddy. Love you.
0: Lequasto. I am so lucky to have had him. So Johnny lives in Florida. He flew out to do the rounds. He has a special that just came out called Physical Therapy. You can find it on Roku. And I know that it's dropping in other places. I'm pretty sure you can buy it on Amazon Prime. And and he came out here to do the rounds to promote his uh, new special on all these podcasts. And so he did mine as one of the rounds of the podcast. Very happy I got selected and that I was able to get all that to happen, and that he wanted to do it, you know. Like, I reached out to him during the pandemic when it was still on Zoom, and he said, "Hey, how about I do it in person when I come uh, through to actually do my press?" And I was like, "That sounds awesome." And it's the first live one I've done since since Mark. I did Mark. I only did one actual face-to-face one with Mark Ayala in the uh, like when in between the first and second spike. And then before that, I think Ari. I think Ari is Easy was the last live one before that. And so so that's how far back that was. It was like 80 episodes, pretty much. They were all Zoom. This one was face-to-face. Loved it. I wonder if you guys can feel the energy difference in it. Because I know I do. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't talk to him more about the special. He filmed the special, by the way, about a year before the pandemic even hit. Uh, at the Brea Improv. They decided that they were going to have... They built a brand new improv out there. Cameras ready, lights ready, LED screen behind you. Because they wanted that somebody could just push a button and tape their special. And the idea for that was that they could try to get Comedy Central to do like their half hour specials there. And just be like, yeah, just show up. You just have to show up. We press the button and it's already ready to go. It looks like film. It looks great. And then... Uh, when Johnny heard that, he went, "Hey, how much would it cost for you guys to just push the button for me? Me make this the first special ma- done there, and I get my special." And they were like, "That'd be great." And so, like, oh, I want to say it was like a week or two in, brand new club, the first special happening there. Johnny Laquasto, which also so people who are like, "Oh, let's check out the new place," and Johnny's fans are there, and it's great. Check it out called physical therapy he did the podcast i'm a lucky guy to have him doing this he also i know we touched on on it as if you guys already were aware he is a wrestling announcer and commentator and he got hired by wwe shortly i feel like it was just a couple weeks after he after he did the special he got the call from wwe he's been chasing that dream for years and got to work for them for a while and the pandemic happened and i like go of. I feel like all of their announced teams and commentating teams with the exception of like four people. And so he was a part of that loss and they just started doing live shows again. So now they're hiring back up. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I want Johnny on that team. I want to see Johnny back working at WWE. Hopefully you're listening and you want the same for Johnny, you know, like follow him at Quasto, by the way, on Instagram, very attractive man. I also meant to talk about that, but we didn't. I wanted to be like, do you know that you're a 10? Because I don't feel like he does. I feel like he walks around thinking he's five, an average. And I'm like, you're not an average. You're a very, very attractive man. So check him out. Jay Quasto. Even if you want to just look at his handsome face, go look at his handsome face. Give him some likes for me. Um, I have something very dramatic happening in my life in the background. And I'm not sure if an NDA is around the corner for me to be able to talk to you about it or not. But I promise, if an NDA does not show up I will talk about it. It might be a whole episode just based on it, tell you the honesty got truth. I'm thinking about that. Um, so, should be interesting. Should be interesting. I'll give you guys a little more insight on my life. Um, if I'm legally allowed to. If I'm not legally allowed to, then you're just getting more interviews. <laughs> or I talk to other people out there. And then, also, I don't have any more recorded podcasts right now, so I'm not sure which one's coming next. I have three that are lined up for the next three days. One, two, three. And so I know that there's going to be an episode next week. I'm not sure out of those three which one I'm like, this one follows the Johnny Quasito energy. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. So I can't promote one right now. And also, one of them may drop out. So it's tough for me to be able to say, yes, let's promote the one that I don't know if is in the can or not. Because anyone I've ever promoted was in the can. I already know what's happening. So... I have that happening. I don't have something to give you for that. So what I do have is I love when you rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. I love stickers, um, pins. And if you do too and you want some with my face on it, go ahead and Venmo me at Aaron M. Marsh. $10 for a pack of stickers and pins. And they look great. Still got some. I've actually started to carry them to my stand-up shows. Been doing stand-up again. Loving stand-up. Um... This might be the funnest stand-up's ever been in a long time because, I don't know, I always put too much pressure on myself, and now there's not much pressure, and I'm better than I was when I started, and it was just immediately applying pressure. So stand-up's great. It's back. Um, I'm at Aaron M. Marsh on everything. Give me a follow. If you're here for Johnny and you just happen to like the conversation, I'm at Aaron M. Marsh. I'm right here. Follow me. Maybe you like the the, the last episode with Donovan. That's a fun one. Um, yeah, I think at this point, I'm officially rambling. So guys, thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with me.
1: Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Whether I find a place in this world I'll never belong I've got to be me
0: and I'd be